Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. Housekeeping, odds and ends, number one. Go on to iTunes, please, and give us a five-star review. I swear to God, I'm going to do it this time. I know we have a lot of new listeners out there. How do I know that? Because I keep getting great messages from you saying, wow, just discovered your podcast. Love it. Keep it up. People would be happier if I just did it. But take that message and put it on iTunes. I talked to my dad. He said, I don't have the guts to do it. Click the five-star review. That really helps us a lot. Just do it already. Number two, send us those audio questions. The Q is starting to get a little sparse as we roll into 2023. Really? This time of year? Yeah. So People have tons I know, of money questions. I told my kid, middle son, the other day, I, he's like trying to – I know I talked about this already, but yeah. he's got a question. The first question he sent in was seven seconds. <laughs> I sent it back to him. I go, bud, come on. At least he took note of the brevity. Yeah, you got you to keep you know a little bit – and his question was good. It was interesting. He, 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 he doesn't quite understand stocks yet. Like I mean, he's 12. So – but he, he was asking, like, can you trade one stock from another, like bartering it? And I said, and I, I just told him no. <laughs> I was like, so you need to lengthen the question a little bit. But anyways, people, you got an opportunity for a $25 Amazon gift card. Send us your questions. It's a layup. A layup. And those of you out there who have sent a question, if you don't see the Amazon gift card in your inbox, like within a couple of days of the question airing, look in your junk mail. Because a lot of you, and I think it's great, you're like, hey, thanks for airing the question. Where's my card? <laughs> and, and then I got to go to Logan and go, Logan, have we sent it? He's like, yeah, I sent it a week ago. What the heck? So look in your junk mail or your spam folder. That seems to be where things are getting picked up. Last number of housekeeping, DIY Tribe on the Facebook. 2023, one of my goals is to re-engage. I got a new phone. Look for fun videos. I don't know if they're fun. They're pretty darn inspirational, if I do say so myself. Check them out. Join the tribe. We're going to reinvigorate that group. I'm excited about it. Uh, if you're still on Facebook with the four other people that are in the world that are on Facebook, join that group. Meta. Meta. All right. We got a question from Timmy. Timmy, what do you got? D-I-Y. Hello, DIY team. This is Timmy from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I just wanted to see what you guys think about broker CDs. I have a Vanguard brokerage account and came across broker CDs. Can you please talk about some pros and cons of owning broker CDs for short-term investments? Thank you. Okay, my friend. Uh, Broker CDs are just like they sound. Certificate of deposits that you can buy through your brokerage account. Pretty simple. Um, That is more or less the terminology. They often are conduits for bank CDs that you might have no access to. So the first Southern Bank of, you know, Manassas, Washington, you have no idea who they are, but through your Fidelity account, you may have the ability to buy that CD. Uh, They are often, uh, no, they are FDIC insured. So that's a plus. Uh, they also have a liquid market, which means basically you can sell them at any time. However, they're going to fluctuate. 
uh, based on the interest rate environment. So they're going to operate much like a bond. But the biggest downfall, and I was just looking at our brokerage accounts, more often than not, the allure is a higher rate of return. So you'll look at this and you'll go, oh, it's, it's you know, my bank CD is paying me four and this is offering four and a quarter. Isn't that nice? You want to make sure it is not a callable CD. A callable CD means that the moment the interest rates go back down, the bank is going to call that in and they're no longer going to pay you four and a quarter. They're going to pay you market rates. I think a lot of people get lured into these things because the headline interest rate is higher, but they don't understand that at any moment in time it can be called away. And that's just simply the bank going, "Oh, we're going to we're going to basically give you all your money back at this moment in time. You're going to accrue you're going to get the interest that you've accrued, and then we're going to reissue this based on the current market rates." Ain't nobody got time for that. So be aware of that uh, when you look into these market CDs. That's all I have on it. What do you know about them, Daniel? Yeah, that's uh, pretty accurate. So yeah, you're going to see them fluctuate. So if you invest in it, so if you were to go to a bank and put money into a CD, you would not see the balance really fluctuate. You would just see interest credited to that on uh, the crediting interval of the bank. Um, however, when you invest in a broker CD, it is it's basically mark to market every day. So you invest $1,000 in that, uh, you may see nine ninety five dollars tomorrow, or you may see $1,005 tomorrow. And so you'll see that fluctuate with uh, interest rates and the term, et cetera. So I don't know if, if I would say these are the best places for short-term saving. I think you have uh, treasury bills that are a very liquid and, and very good option. Uh, even though brokered CDs have a market to sell, there might be a bit of a difference between uh, what you're seeing as the quote and what you're able to actually sell them for. So keep that in mind, whereas treasuries are a lot more liquid. The interest rates, I think, are pretty similar on those right now, depending on what you're seeing at your broker, uh, as well as there's money market accounts that don't fluctuate at all and pay fairly reasonable interest rate in comparison to treasuries, depending on how short-term those funds are and, and what you need to look at. So those are basically, if you're looking at sort of your cash reserves, uh, you have CDs, Money market and uh, short-term treasuries are effectively your probably your best options outside of a savings and checking account. It's amazing that we're answering questions about CD rates and treasuries. And Years since we've had to navigate how do I edge out just a little bit more interest. I mean, we've been talking about how to get interest it's, on your cash, but it's fascinating. But now that you can get four plus percent interest on your cash, I mean, that just I guess there's a such a wide range now between the bank, which is paying you point zero five on something and a treasury which is paying you nearly 5% on something that understandably people want to maximize if you have cash sitting there you want to max i mean why not get risk free effectively 4.8 or 4.7 or whatever when your bank's not doing it for you yeah you you just have to you, you might have to look around a little bit i would be careful again the the only thing that i would just be aware of is things like callable things that maybe aren't FDIC insured. I mean, this is cash that you want to have access to. You want it to be secure. Uh, and so, and certainly avoid, I mean, uh, thankfully we've never answered questions about this. And I, I don't think a lot of any of our listeners ventured in, but all these crypto things that, you know, stake your crypto and get 18% or any of that nonsense. I'm surprised we never actually had a question about that. I think we had one or two, Did maybe. Did we? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Surely you want to look at... said, avoid like the plague. U.S. Treasuries, U.S. actual banks, not 
crypto bank exchanges or whatever, um, that would be a speculative risk asset, not a cash holding. It's a good – this is a really interesting time period we're in where a lot of these exchanges – I just read an article that Gemini, the Winklevoss twins exchange, is now on the verge of bankruptcy if they don't find a billion dollars in capital. Oh, that it? Yeah, that's just, it. Okay. Just a bill. Um, what I find fascinating – I mean, hopefully uh, – I, I'm I'm really hoping. I mean, nobody's immune if if they ventured into that stuff. But I'm really hoping our our audience is not. I don't. I just don't think our audience is involved in a lot of this stuff. So so I'm I'm happy to I'm I'm happy about that. But that said, the the example is fascinating because cryptocurrencies and a lot of these exchanges are non regulated. They they have no regulation, which is one of the things that's been their selling point. But uh, when the proverbial crap hits the fan, there is no backstop either. Now, we're seeing this in a segment of the financial economy in the United States. Imagine if you lived in a country where that was your entire financial sort of well-being, that at any moment in time, a bank or the national bank or the country could default, and all of a sudden, your money could be gone. And, I mean, we just don't have that we, – we don't think about things like that. When I started in the business, um, you, you know, I would often run into folks who were Depression-era children. And when the banks collapsed in, in the Depression, a lot of banks were not FDIC-insured. And so people lost their money in the banking system. They would just lose their money. And the FD, I think the FDIC insurance came about during that time period. I, I, I'm not a historian on regards to that, but I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking that's the case. And so we went through this environment in the United States financial system, much like cryptocurrencies is going through now. Now, maybe out of that will come regulation. Maybe there will be – it will be a, you know, a, a, a backed sort of thing. It will lose some of its luster for those people that wanted to not have a regulated currency, but maybe it will at least protect investors who you know want to put some savings there or whatever. I don't know. But the reality is is that – I would run into these people, and they would always keep the max FDIC insured limit in a bank. So if that was a hundred, now it's two fifty. But if it was a hundred, they'd have a hundred. And if they had five hundred, they'd have it in five different banks. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that their children. So that children would often be the clients. They would come and they would be like, "Well, mom's got you know four hundred thousand dollars in cash in the bank," and. It's just crazy. We, you know, she doesn't need that much in the bank and et cetera. And I, and I would say to them, I would say, yeah, but she went through a time period where banks went bust and that money would be gone. And I said, so she doesn't want to invest it in the stock market. She doesn't want to buy this. She wants, she wants to invest it in a, in a CD in one bank and a CD in another bank and another bank so that she knows it's there. And I don't mind that. I mean, that's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. But we take for granted sometimes that in our country we have such an unbelievable financial system. It's not perfect. There's bumps. There's there's ups and there's downs and there's certainly issues that that are you know going to happen over time. But the ability to invest your money in the market, the ability to invest your money in an index fund, the ability to invest your money in a bank, and have complete confidence that it's going to be there the next day. Is unbelievable. Most countries in the United States or most countries in the world do not have that luxury. I don't yeah. know. I just wanted to share that. Thank you for sharing that. I like that. I think six to twelve months ago we did 
touch on in an episode. You know, if uh, if the U.S. government is offering you a risk-free rate of X, which was effectively zero back then, you know, how in the world do you think you're going to get eight or fifteen percent in in these particular accounts with zero risk, et cetera? I think now, if if we would revise that discussion or conversation, I would say now the U.S. government is giving you effectively a risk-free rate of four, we'll say four point five percent. Obviously, look and see what it is whenever you listen to this episode. Uh, but we'll round it and we'll say 4.5%. Now, pretty much everything that you take risk on, whether it's crypto, et cetera, you have to measure against that effective risk-free rate. So that is available out there. And if you're just sitting on cash in the bank, you have to measure cash in the bank, getting nothing against that. So that becomes uh, sort of the new sort of cornerstone, the litmus test for wherever you're putting your assets. Uh, and so it's important to consider and, and look at that going forward as that uh, rate changes. And that that's why we're seeing or we've seen in the past couple of months volatility in the markets because the entire financial system has to sort of adjust and calibrate to that now. That's true with dividends as well. Yeah. Uh, people come in all the time. And they're like, well, what do you think about buying company X? It's got a 10% dividend. And all I share with them, I'm not going to give them my opinion one way or the other. Well, sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm like, that's crap. <laughs> but other times I say, you have, to ask your you have to ask yourself the question, why is this company paying 10% and the United States government is going to pay you a risk-free amount of 4%? Meaning, think of the risk inherent inside that 6% difference. It's massive. More often than not, you can dive in and you can go, oh, that 10% dividend is actually a dollar, and last year they lost $2. So that's not good math either. So when you understand the fundamentals, it's, it's, it's very important to understand that before you go out and chase yield. And just some of those things are helpful to just protect you in this game of finance, and half the battle is just being protected and not making dumb decisions along the way. Sounds good. So compare those brokered CDs to the other options that are available out there. There you go. All right, friends. Remember, the secret to wealth is pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest wisely and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.